119, verse 89 is where we'll pick up today. Psalm 119, verse 89. Our next stanza, of course, goes through verse 96. And as I told them earlier, and I'll tell you too, remind you, um, this stanza will certainly not cover it all today. Um, there's an outline for the entire stanza that will come up on the Facebook page and all that that you can, of course, do. I remind you, if you try to follow along with that and live with us, you're going to get car sick because it's delayed a little bit, all right? So you'll be up thinking you're watching a tennis match. So, But the outline will be there for the entire stanza. We'll just cover a portion of that today because I, the longer I study the Word of God and the longer I seek to be a student of His Word, the more I realize that we're mining gold, amen? As we mine gold, we're, there's just so much truth, so much wisdom, and so much instruction for us. And sometimes we're careful, or not careful, we'll get in a big hurry and miss some things, and I don't want to miss anything at all, and I want to help you too. So we'll get through a portion of this today, and then, of course, you will be a little ahead of the game. You'll have an outline for the rest of the uh, stanzas we pick up wherever we leave off today we'll pick up there next week okay Psalm 119 verse 89 would you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God God's word says these words Psalm 119 verse 89 he says forever O Lord your word is settled in heaven your faithfulness endures to all generations you establish the earth and it abides they continue this day according to your ordinances for all your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my strength and my redeemer. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity today to be able to stand before your people with your word. And Father, I pray that I never, ever take it for granted. And God, that I would be faithful. And God, that you would be glorified and your people would be edified today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of a trustworthy treasure. Uh, my daughters were in the first service today and I was talking with them uh, over breakfast yesterday morning and I said to my daughters, you know, they used to get real excited when we'd be riding to church when they were little. And they'd say, you know, Daddy, how many verses are you going to read today? And I, they always thought the less verses meant the sooner we get to come home, I think. But anyhow, so, you know, yesterday we were talking about over the breakfast and talking about Psalm 119. And I told the girls, I said, I really don't think I'm going to get but through like two verses tomorrow, which I thought they would, you know, be excited about, you know. And, uh, Kate just took another bite of her breakfast and looked up after she swallowed and said, well, you know, Daddy, the older I've got, the more I realize the less verses, the longer the sermon. I don't know. But anyhow, I said, well, if you come at 9 o'clock, you know you'll get out before you start a death. So, 
maybe that'll be true for y'all too. I, I learned a long time ago, you know, that the cerebral cortex can only absorb as much as the gluteus maximus can endure. So I, you know, and, and I'm an attention deficit disorder guy, so if you struggle, I, we, we're brothers and sisters, we struggle together. But uh, anyhow, I was talking to them about a time when they were young and we lived in the pastorium there in Georgia, which is a volume of stories within itself. Um, but we lived across the street from the little city park, or town park, I guess you could say, town of 350 people, so it wasn't a, wasn't a city. And we um, had a tennis court and a basketball court and a little walking track and some slides and monkey bars and stuff like that. And that's where I taught Kate to ride a bike. And, and that was quite an ordeal. I tell you what, boy, that poor child, I'm surprised she survived learning to ride a bike. Uh, she really had some wipeouts. But um, we also would go out in the woods beyond there, and we'd go on what we would call the search for buried Indian treasure. And I was the tour guy, you know. And so we would walk through the woods, and we would begin our way, and we would look, and we'd stop and dig, and we'd go by the creek. And they were just certain that at any point their daddy was about to find something of extreme value. And of course, each time we went on the trips, I did. I found something very valuable, worth millions, right? And I would have them believing that some of these rocks that I picked up and sticks and different things, I'd have them believing that some Indian way back under had buried them and had a hut or something in the woods. And what we had found was so valuable and, and just beyond, beyond being able to keep up with what it was worth. The truth is, really all I had was a handful of worthless rocks and stuff like that that wasn't worth anything to anybody. But my girls really believed. Now, as they got older, they realized that what we had was some worthless rocks. I mean, we'd put them in a bucket and put them out in the shop, and we just someday we were going to just cash in, you know. And they just really enjoyed that. We were talking about that over breakfast yesterday, and just some great memories flooded our mind as we thought about those days, you know. You know, what I had was worthless. I didn't have anything on our buried treasure hunts that would have bought us a sausage biscuit at Jack's. I mean, nothing. But I want to say to you today, what I hold in my hand today is a copy of the only book God ever wrote. What I hold in my hand today is a book that is filled with wonderful treasures of truth. Uh, this book that I hold in my hand today can be trusted. It is accurate at all times. It is completely and fully inspired and has absolutely no error contained within it. See, what I used to dig up out of the ground with my girls on our buried treasure hunt was worthless, but what I hold here today and what we will dig truth from today is not, it's worth more than we could ever come up with, more than our mind could comprehend. It is the eternal word of God. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, he said, All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached unto you. Peter understood that the word of God was unchangeable. It was without any error. It was absolute truth. We also must remember that as the body of Christ... You and I have been entrusted with this trustworthy treasure. We have been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ to share 
uh, with a lost world the life-changing message that it contains. Uh, Paul told the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, he said, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. You know, I'm seen over the years and I'm sure you have too that there are a lot of people that try to do a lot of things to try to impress other people and there are sometimes people who sing and preach and do whatever do so to try to impress others uh, Paul said to the church at Corinth he said I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom but I came to preach in demonstration of the power and the spirit of God what he was reminding us of is that our audience is not the congregation. Uh, our audience is the throne room of heaven. The approval that we seek should not come from those who come to hear us sing, preach, teach, or lead in any way. The approval that we should seek should only come from the throne of heaven. We've been entrusted with the gospel and he is counting on us and he has commissioned us to share its message. See, God's word is a treasure. It is a solid foundation that you and I can rest our lives upon. And this passage reminds us that God's word is settled in heaven. It is settled on earth. And it must be and can be settled in our hearts and in our souls. Do you know there are many people in our world today who do not have the word of God settled in their heart and soul? And it needs to be done so immediately. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress that enough. You see, the entire 119th Psalm is a song. It is a song that emphasizes the power and the permanence of the Word of God. Not only is the Word of God powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that cuts at the dividing points of the joints of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, not only is the Word of God powerful, but it is permanent. It stands forever. And in this stanza that I just read a moment ago of the 119th Psalm, verses 89 through 96, this psalm begins to soar to even a greater level of its praise of the divine word of God. Well, we ought to have the highest esteem for God's word. In our culture, everybody has some esteem for things higher when God's word is the ultimate authority. God's word is eternal. It reaches beyond all barriers and all earthly limitations. So with that in mind, we're going to walk through a portion of this passage today. And there's some truth found in this passage, some trustworthy treasure, if you will, because the Word of God is the only Word that can be trusted under heaven at all times. So with that in mind, let's talk about the first part of this stanza, verses 89 and 90, how the psalmist makes a divine declaration. See, in the first two verses of this stanza, the psalmist makes some very bold statements, some very bold declarations, if you will, that concern not only the nature of God, but also the Word of God. The first thing he teaches us about the Word of God is in verse 89, where well, we learn that the Word of God is eternal. We read 1 Peter a moment ago, and it kind of mirrors back to what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, where he said, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God remains forever. Ladies and gentlemen, those words were penned centuries ago. 
They were true before they were penned. They were true when they were penned. And they are true centuries later since they were penned. The word of God remains forever. Now back in verse 89, the psalmist declared this, word, this statement. He said that the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Now I want you to part with me for a minute, if you will, on that word settled. When we think about something being settled, we think about something that, that, is, that is situated. It is fixed. It is not easily shaken or moved. There's not much settled in our world today, is there? Uh, the political landscape is not very settled. The national landscape the, is not very settled. The congressional landscape is not very settled. The financial landscapes are not very settled. You see them ever changing before us, and you see things change with simply just the, uh, some stroke of a pen or some new declaration or some order that's placed. That's true, whether you consider yourself to be a Democrat, Republican, Independent, or in between, none of that really matters. What I'm talking to you about today is about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you realize as you look at this world that it is completely unsettled. Uh, we have so much going around. We hear so much about the vaccine and the first dose and the second dose and possible side effects and, and, and possible... Uh, benefits down the road we see all these different things it's in our news it's in our minds it's right before us every day and we see this much settled because you can read what one scholar says or what one expert says and then you read the next day something another says and it didn't match what the other one said and you don't know what to believe pretty unsettled isn't it but see, ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of all this chaos, I can report to you today that you can take stock in a word that is settled and will not change. See, the word settled in and of itself, speaking of the word of God, means established, preserved, hold firmly. It means fixed. See, life on earth is filled with all types of uncertainty and all types of change but we can take comfort today in knowing that there is one absolute on this earth that is established in heaven and will never change. See, beyond earth is heaven, beyond time is eternity, beyond changes is the changeless promises of God. It is the one absolute in the life of the psalmist that can be the same absolute in your life today is that God's word can be trusted. It is forever settled. I like what Warren Wiersbe said about this subject when he said this. He said, Atheists, agnostics, philosophers, scientists, and garden variety sinners of all kinds have ignored the Bible, they've laughed at the Bible, and they've tried to do away with the Bible. But it still stands. He said, Though born in eternity, God's word is rooted in history. And it speaks to every generation that will listen. Did you hear that today? Every generation that will listen. And then he ends by saying this. Build your life on the word of God and you will weather all the changes of life. And ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything I can bring to you today, if there's a word from God through this preacher to his people today, it's this. You must. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. You must build your life on the Word of God. 
I want you to know I, I'm blessed. I, when I first left this state to go to Egypt, I mean Georgia, about in 2000, I mean, excuse me, 1998, I owned four books, and two of them were so legalistic I had to throw them away. That's all I had for my library, nothing. And I'm blessed today. God's blessed me to be able to accumulate a pretty fair number of books in my library. Can I tell you this? None of them are good enough to build my life upon. They might help me. They might instruct me. They might encourage me. They might expand my knowledge and wisdom a little bit. I don't know. But can I say this to you? I cannot build my life upon anything in my library other than what the Word of God says. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me today. That is so important. And what you must do is build your life on the Word of God because if not, you're just building on sinking sand. I read this week something that just blew me away. You see, over the centuries, there have been many people who have tried to diminish and dismiss the Word of God. There's a man named Voltaire who once was recorded as saying, he said, if you will give me 50 years, he said, I'll have the Bible in a morgue. He said, in 50 years, I'll bury that book. In 50 years, the influence and impact of that book will be dead. You know what happened? 50 years later, the Bible wasn't in a morgue, but he was. And listen, the story gets better. Not only was the Bible surviving and his life was over, but the very home that he inhabited when he made that statement was purchased by the Geneva Bible Society and they used his house to store copies of the Word of God. Woo! Hey, church, hear me. It doesn't matter what anybody says. This book will not be buried. Its message will not lose its influence. Its message will not lose its impact. You can say you're going to bury it, but one day, sir, I want you to know the book won't be buried. We might, but isn't it amazing that God gave his house to people who printed the Bible and stored them in his house? He didn't bury the book. Hey, the God of the book buried him. That's worth your trip to church today, amen? Amen. To know that. You can't bury what God has written. It is His Word, not ours. And no one can destroy what God has forever settled in heaven. So God's Word is eternal. But notice the second truth with me. God's work is also enduring. You know, I'm deeply grateful for the faithfulness of God and the fact that His Word works effectively, not just in generations past. I hear so many people across my ministry saying, I remember our church in the good old days. It ain't what it used to be. I remember this and I remember that. And, and it's all about memories, but hear me. When your memories are greater than your dreams, the days of your church are numbered. If all you can think about is your memories and you don't have a dream for tomorrow, the days are numbered. Everybody likes to hang on to yesterday because it's safe, it's fixed. But I want you to know just as much as God was faithful in that generation, can I say to you that he's faithful in this generation? Can I submit to you today that he'll be faithful in the next generation? 
and generations beyond. See, I'm grateful that his plans and his righteousness are forever because it's just the fact that God is good. You ever heard people say this? God's not good because I asked him to do something and he didn't do what I asked. He's not good. I've heard people say, I asked him in this pandemic, I've heard people say, I prayed for God to heal somebody and he didn't. Let me help you, okay? If I get sick, and I could, and so could you, do I want you to pray for me? Absolutely. If you're sick, am I going to pray for you? You can count on it. But if God doesn't heal me on this side, it doesn't mean that he didn't hear you, he doesn't love you, and that he's not God. Because there's an ultimate healing. Anybody with me? There's an ultimate healing on the other side that's far better than anything on this side. So if God chooses that route, it doesn't mean that God didn't hear. God heard and God said, oh, I, I got another plan for him. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you and he doesn't care. Don't think because you don't get what you want that he's not good. Because he is. Sometimes God gives us what we don't want, which is far better for us than what we want. Anybody with me? Anybody prayed for something and God didn't give it to you? And years later, you were like, thank the Lordy. Anybody? Maybe you had your little sweetheart. You said, I just can't make it. No way. And God took that little sweetheart out of your life. And it broke your heart. And years later, you were like, thank you, Jesus. Anybody? Come on now. Y'all, I know. I'll never think nothing like that. I know y'all. No. No, look here. There's times God doesn't give us what we want. And it's far better for us. That's good things. Ladies and gentlemen, the word of God is consistently magnified. The word of God is, he magnifies the faithfulness of God. And he also magnifies the frailty of man. Just turn a few pages back over there to the 90th Psalm. I want you to notice a few verses out of that Psalm that kind of complement what we're talking about. Look at the first verse of Psalm 90. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you have formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Verse 4 of that chapter says this. says, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past like a watch in the night. Verse 8 of that chapter says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Verse 10 says, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only in labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And verse 14 says, oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad in our day. You say, why do you share that with us, preacher? I'll tell you, because Psalm 90 complements what we're reading this morning, and it reminds us that God has an eternal family care program. You know, I know where I'm going when I leave this world. It's not because I've been good. It's because he's good. It's not because I deserve it. It's because he bought me. It's not because of anything other than the gift of God, the salvation of the Lord through Jesus Christ. 
but I'm like you. I want to stay here and take care of my family. I want to stay here and blaze a trail for the gospel. I'm like Paul, man, I think about heaven, it gets sweeter by the day, but for some reason God's leaving us here for this time and he's leaving us here to make a difference. Even though we're hard pressed and we're caught in a straight between two, he's got us here for a reason, he's got us here for a purpose and all that. But I want to tell you something, when my life is over and my family leave, if a family that I leave behind, do you know what I can find comfort in? It's God don't need me to take care of them. He's better at that than I am. Amen. Do you know that? He's better at that than you are. I used to think when I was a little boy and I followed my granddaddy around everywhere there in Edwardsville, I used to think, I don't know what I'd do without him. I don't know if I'd make it a day. And then the day came he left this world. You know what I had to learn? Is that even though my grandfather went home to be with Jesus, I want you to know that now, now I must follow God the Father because he'll care for me when nobody else will. That's important to remember. See, not only can we commit ourselves to his care, but we can commit our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and every generation beyond to the infinite care of God. You know why? Because he loves us. We love him because he first loved us. And let me say this to you about loving God. When you love God and you love Jesus, you love what he loves. Are you with me? What does Jesus love? Well, let's just talk about the church for a minute. You know why I love the church so much and why I want to give my life to serve God's people is because Jesus loved the church so much that he gave himself for her. Listen, there would be no church if Jesus hadn't went to Calvary. But because Jesus went to Calvary, it's not bricks and mortar and sheetrock and pews and, and, and platforms and all this kind of stuff. Uh, listen, the church is the blood-bought body of Jesus Christ that every Christian ought to love, and you ought to love it enough to gather and serve and worship together. Amen. And I know we're in a pandemic and we're using online services and things like that and there's some things folks can't help. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about as you have opportunity, if you love the church, you want to gather with the church and worship God in all of his glory and give him praise. <laughs> that right, Marty? I'm looking for you, man. I need some help now, okay? You want to give him praise, and that's just not through singing, that's just not through preaching, but that's just coming together as a body of Christ, and you love what Jesus loves. Jesus loves sinners. Did y'all know that? If you're a blood-bought child of God today, you ought to be grateful that he loves sinners because you wouldn't be if he didn't. And because you are a blood-bought child of God, you ought to love people who don't know him because they're where you used to be. And somebody told you about him. Didn't they? Yes. So you ought to tell somebody about him because you love him. I tell people about the folks I love, don't you? I've always said this. Have a conversation with a guy for about 15 minutes. You're going to find out what's important to him. Aren't you? You are. And I tell you, and sometimes that's a blessing and sometimes it's not. But when you love Jesus, you love what Jesus loved. I told him in the first service, I remember it a while back, I told y'all about when Angie and I were young and didn't have any money to date and we'd get just enough money to get a 99-cent blizzard down at the Dairy Queen. Couldn't get but one. So you know what flavor we always got? 
was what she liked. Now, she liked Heath Bar. Good gosh, who in the world? She's the first person I ever met that liked Heath Bar. But you know why we got Heath Bar and why I ate Heath Bar? Because it wasn't because I liked the Heath Bar, but I sure did like her. <laughs> I said, hey, why in order? One time she told me, just finally years later I told her, you know, I said, I hate Heath Bar. She said, well, why didn't you tell me? I said, it didn't matter then. But I said to her, I said, why in the world would you choose a Heath Bar when they had Snickers? And they had Reese Cups. Does anybody like Reese Cups? Woo, they're going to be in glory. I see them. Every table, every corner, calorie-free Reese Cups. And they're going to taste good too, right? Somebody handed me one of these things a little while back called the Reese Thins. Did y'all see those? I guess I'm supposed to feel better about that because it's like cutting. It's like they sent it through the sawmill, chopped it down about three times. Lazy them hear me. We love what Jesus loves when we love Him the way we should. And then notice with me that God's witness is established. Notice the last part. This is some good stuff. Here's what happened. The Bible said in verse 90, the last part, it says, You're established the earth and it abides. Do you remember all you old folks? my age and older you remember the old commercials they used to have I was telling them in the first service sometimes on YouTube you could watch some of those old commercials and they didn't seem so cheesy back then but they're pretty cheesy now and one of the cheesiest ones had nothing to do with cheese but you remember the one that was the parquet commercial is it butter or is it and there would be this little conversation and all of a sudden Mother Nature would show up. And then the thunder would start. And the lightning. And she'd say this, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. And I said, I, I didn't like that commercial much because I didn't want that lady coming to the house because everywhere she showed up was thunder and lightning. And I said, but I never forget that. And I was thinking about this week because you know there's a lot of people that still believe and appeal to Mother Nature. And they'll say stuff like that. Oh, Mother Nature's upset. We had a storm. I, I want you to hear me. She does not exist. There is no such thing as Mother Nature, but there is somebody real called Father God. And I want you to know he is sovereign over all creation and the activity of this universe is not dictated by Mother Nature. It is under the sovereign control of Father God who is holy and we as people of God ought to remember that. It's very important. Psalm 19 verse 1 said, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. See, by God's word he created all things and by his word he sustains all things. Paul reminds us of that in Colossians chapter 1. But here's what happened. The psalmist in those few verses on the last few words, last part of verse 90, he takes us back to the very first page of the Bible. He takes us back to creation. And here's what he teaches us through those things. And I learned this from John Phillips this week. On the first day of creation, God established the laws of light. He ordained 
that in the world that light would travel at 186,000 miles per second and that the light should dispel the darkness and that its speed should be one that is constant throughout the entire universe. On the second day of creation, God established the form of the firmament. He separated the waters in setting in motion the vast forces of evaporation and condensation which renew and replenish the earth on a regular basis. On the third day of creation, God established the lay, law, the lay of the land and he separated the oceans from the continents and he ordained the depths and the bounds of the sea. On the fourth day of creation, God established the service of the sun and ordained the sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the night. He ensured the regular round of the seasons and giving humankind a celestial timepiece to measure the passing of the days, the months, and the years. On the fifth day of creation, he established the fish and the fowl of the sea, the sky, and he set in order the laws of the, their being. But on the sixth day, God created and established life and lordship on this planet. On the sixth day, God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the triune God, they said, let us make man in our own image. Uh, some people think Jesus just showed up at a stable in Bethlehem. He, he's the great I am. He's always been. Uh, some people think that the Holy Spirit just showed up on the day of Pentecost just for some reason. No, uh, they're part of the triune God that were present at creation. They said, let us make man in our own image, and they took some dust of the earth. So sometimes when you get to thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, you just remember you ain't nothing but a bag of dust. Amen. Oh, look here. He took the dust of the earth and he formed together a man and he breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. Ladies and gentlemen, he created life and lordship on that day and he made all forms of animal life and he crowned man the monarch of all that he surveyed. And then he said this, Thus it has been from that day to this day, sunshine and shadow, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, everywhere to earth's remotest bounds, to the outer edges of the universe, God has established his word. Everywhere there is evidence of law. All modern science is predicated on the fact that the laws of nature do not change. God set it up that way. He said the laws of light and electricity, heat and sound, magnetism and gravity, chemistry and physics, of biology and mathematics, all are established by the word of God. When you go to school and you learn about biology, you learn about math, you learn about chemistry, you learn about physics, you learn about gravity, you learn any of these things, it is established by the Word of God. And such is the power of the Word that an entire established order of nature sprang into being in response to the Ten Commandments, which is the law of God. Ten times in the book of Genesis we read these words. And God said. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to get back to understanding that what God said supersedes anything you and I think or anything anybody else says. 
Years ago, there were some bumper stickers that were popular. It had this saying on it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I can help you. They could have made it a little shorter because when God said it, it don't matter whether you believe it or not. That settles it. Ladies and gentlemen, my belief has nothing to do in the authenticity of the word of God, not at all. See, God's word is settled in heaven, it's settled on earth, and it is settling in my soul. Its permanence gives us something solid to which our faith rests. Wow. Here's what I learned from Adrian Rogers. He said the Bible is not the book of the week it's not the book of the month or even the book of the year he said the Bible is the book of the ages now help me the word of God one divine author 40 human authors inspired by the Holy Spirit three languages written over a time period of 1,500 to 1,600 years with one central message, the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, only God could put together a book like that. I guarantee you Congress couldn't do it. It'd die in committee. A bunch of Southern Baptists couldn't do it because they'd send it back to the resolutions committee. And they'd send it through the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission. And they'd send it through everything they could. And then, then they'd try to decide, well, we'll vote on that later. We'll table it for the time. And, no, ladies and gentlemen, only a sovereign and holy God can put together a book with a message like that. It can literally change the world. So here's the question. If the Word of God is forever settled in heaven, if the truth of God is the only solid foundation you can build your life upon under heaven, then why, oh why, is it not settled in your heart and mine? Maybe today, maybe today is a day that you, my friend, need to get some things settled in your heart, not only about God's Word, but about the God of the Word. You see, here's something else I will share that Adrian said, and I'm done. He said, everything that is not nailed down with a nail of grace and the hammer of God's word will be shaken out of place by his judgment. Let me say it again. Everything, everything in your life that is not nailed down with a nail of grace and the hammer of God's word will be shaken out of place at his judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. There are so many things in this life that we spend a whole lot of time worrying about that have no eternal significance. Where there are some things in this life that we ought to spend more time concerned about, studying about, and working about that have eternal significance. One is your relationship with God and two is your obedience to God since you became a believer. Those two things are what's going to matter when you stand in judgment. 
Those are the things that will be nailed down with a nail of grace and the hammer of God's word. Nothing else will stand. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for your word today, Lord. And I want to thank you so much for how it speaks peace to my soul. But Father, I pray right now for those on the sound of my voice that do not have things settled with you for eternity. Those who are still struggling, those who are still battling, those who are still listening to the voice of the enemy who speaks fear in their life and tries to control them with all sorts of tactics and schemes. God, that today that the sweet spirit of God could speak peace to their soul and remind them that your foundation is true, it is solid, and it can be trusted, that your word will not change and what you have said you will always say. Who you are you will always be. God, today, somebody in this room needs some settling. And God, I pray you bring that peace to their soul. I pray that they cry out to you today. I pray that, Father, whether they're at home watching by way of Internet, whether they need to make an altar in their living room, whether those in this building need to make an altar of their pew or whatever, God, I just pray right now, God, that your word will accomplish what you have sent it to do and that you will change us to be more like you every day. God, we thank you for loving us with the everlasting love that you share. And we pray, God, we'll be faithful to take that love you have deposited to us and we'll share it with a hurting world for the glory of God. Lord, we pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, guys, look this way just a few minutes. I want you to... Each week, I want to remind you to use your perforated section off your worship guide. Please use that for many different reasons. One, of course, prayer requests, praise reports. We'll share those. Uh, take your requests and transfer them to the war room wall so others can be praying along with you. Praise reports, answered prayers. We always love to rejoice in those. We'll put those on the answered prayer wall. If you have questions about anything at all you've heard today, if you need to make a decision for Jesus, you're not sure you're his child. Listen to me. I wouldn't leave that door today if I didn't know I was going to heaven. I wouldn't get in that highway. I wouldn't go through a red light. I wouldn't go through a stop sign till I knew I was going to heaven. So if that's you today, don't leave today. You stay. I'll be here. We want to help you. If you are certain you've got a relationship with Jesus, then I praise God for you. look forward to spending eternity with you. But I want you to know if you ever have things you need, please, we are here for you, okay? You can use this, drop it in any bucket on your way out. Um, of course, as always, I encourage you to be faithful in giving. God's been good to the Heflin Baptist Church and through this thing. I'm telling you, God has taken care of us, and it is a blessing to continue to sponsor our mission partnerships and all that stuff. It's just a blessing to be able to do that. God bless you for your faithfulness. Please keep it up because that's going to enable us to touch more and more people with the gospel in years to come. So use that. Remember the announcements we put and also the what's not in there uh, that I told you about earlier. Keith's mom's visitation today, 337 at Saks Baptist and 11 for the funeral uh, tomorrow. Okay, so don't forget those things. Hey, before we go, 
never forget, you know God loves you, and you know I love you, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Amen? Stand with us. Marty's going to sing us out. I want you to have a great Sunday. Wednesday night at 6, children, students, and adults, everybody at 6. Hey, it'll help you get through the week, friend, to come on Wednesday night. If you've got young'uns, you definitely want them. If you've got students and high school students, you know they need Jesus, right? So you bring them. If you've ever raised a teenager, you can say amen to that, right? So do that, and I look forward to you being here on Wednesday night. Pray much for the coming week. Go tell somebody about Jesus. Invite somebody to join you next week. And we're just going to trust God to do great things. We're going to sing this little chorus of Because He Lives. And uh, hey, look here. This will put some fire in your tank for the week. Because He lives. That's the way we face tomorrow. Because there is a settled word I can build my life on. So Marty, sing when you're ready. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow, because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know.